Is a cultural difference between your team members a challenge or an opportunity? Well, I had this conversation with Luca Bovalino, the CEO for North America for the Business Unit Parking Group of FAAC. Luca, in his experience, he actually demonstrated that cultural differences can become the biggest asset to create a high-performing organization. So in this episode, we're going to go deeper into the subject because I'm sure that many of you out there are dealing with cultural differences in the workplace. So Luca is a great example how can you turn that into an incredible weapon for success. Stay with me, that's an amazing episode. Hi everyone and welcome back to a new episode of the World Class Leader Show. So in today's episode, I have uh, the honor to have with me Luca Bovalino. So Luca is the CEO for North America for the business unit parking for FAAC Group. And he will tell us a little bit more about what the group does and what he does. But essentially, he's been appointed as a CEO in July 2019. And he lead, uh, he is leading the largest and fastest growing smart parking producer in all, in all North America, consists of five legal entities. Uh, he has been successfully integrating and generating synergies across the Firequire companies under one single leadership. So we will talk about the importance of merge and acquisition, how make it work, improve revenues, profitability, and cash flow by 30% in just one year, and also increase the company market leadership in technology, quality, and services. Before that, he had more than he has more than 23 years management world-class manufacturing experience with substantial exposure in more than 10 countries with North America, where he's based in the US, Europe, and Asia. So he will tell us a little bit more about this. So, but anyway, Luca, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you so much for hosting me. And uh, it's a pleasure. It's, I find this initiative extremely productive and uh, very helpful for all our colleagues and uh, for uh, your uh, audience. Yeah. So, Luca, by the way, tell us a little bit more where you are today exactly so people can understand uh, where you live. Yeah, I'm uh, connected from our... Uh, headquarters in the United States in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, as you stated, the new parking in North America is constituted of uh, five legal entities. Actually, today are four because uh, in the uh, light of uh, <clears throat> continuous synergies, we have uh, we started merging also some legal entities. Uh, so I'm in the hub parking technology headquarters in um, Pittsburgh. Okay, and, excellent. Uh, the other locations where I commute often are uh, in uh, Columbus, Ohio, uh, where there is the TIBA parking systems, in uh, Dallas, where we have uh, Associated Time Instruments, and then in uh, Canada, in Toronto, where we have uh, our hub parking technology, Canada. Great. How is living in Pittsburgh? Enjoy living it's there? A, in years? Yeah, it's a, a very nice city. Very uh, Pittsburgh is is almost a unique uh, story behind uh, behind its development. Because, as you may recall, Pittsburgh uh, has been for uh, decades the steel city of America. Yes. So uh, the United States were uh, uh, getting all the main supply of steel from Pittsburgh. But then, of course, uh, with the globalization, uh, there has been uh, a big downturn here in Pittsburgh, and uh, 
and the city went through a tough period. But uh, the incredible uh, thing is that they were able to completely turn around and uh, rethink their business model at mm. the point that today Pittsburgh from an industrial steel city company and uh, excuse me city has become one of the main center for uh, uh, IT technology advanced engineering so we have here uh, companies like Uber engineering for the autonomous driving developments we have mm. Google we have Facebook we have Apple uh, so the transformation that this city has been able to do in uh, the past probably 15 years has been amazing. Yeah, that's that's massive. And I know there are many tech companies, innovation company now moving away from traditional hub, California, and going to different directions across US. So that's interesting. So didn't know about that. So that's great. Yeah. Um, Luca, tell us, you know, I, I didn't say when I introduced you, I did not go through your whole career history. I mean, as <laughs> as me, as many, you know, with more than 20 years of experience, if we start talking about our experience, it's going to take a lot of time, of course. But what are maybe two or three major career achievements, progression that you made? So just for everyone to know why now you are a CEO of such an important business unit for a group. And then a little bit later, then we'll talk about what FAAC group does. Hmm. But let me say that uh, I, I'm originally from Turin, Italy, but uh, uh, as soon as I graduated uh, from the University of Turin, uh, I left Italy when I was 24 years and a half. So, so I'm uh, basically, I spent more than the half of my life abroad. Right. Uh, the company that hired me uh, right after the university was, uh, the name was known as Anderson Consulting, today is yeah. uh, known as Accenture. And I have to say that I had the opportunity to be deployed always on international projects. So I've been a senior consultant for Anderson Consulting Accenture in uh, on projects in uh, Switzerland, in Sweden, in Denmark, in Netherlands, uh, France, England. So uh, it's been a very important experience uh, that really uh, allows you to uh, leave uh, when you are still very young uh, what mm -hmm. is called the multicultural factor of the teams because all the teams were of course coming from all the regions and countries of Accenture worldwide so the projects where we were deployed were uh, constituted of team members that were coming from India from uh, Switzerland from France from America so the multicultural effect uh, of the Anderson uh, setting was uh, extremely beneficial. After that, uh, when the first son was born, uh, I decided to find uh, a, a location that was a little bit uh, less uh, stressful from a um, travel point of view. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, I joined uh, a, an important Italian manufacturer, uh, it's called the FIAM. It's a leading uh, player into the automotive battery makers and uh, the stationary batteries as well as uh, uh, acoustic devices. Um, and I've been there for, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in Italy for a couple of years as uh, head of the global purchasing for the whole uh, Fiat group uh, until the, 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 the ownership and the, the chairman and the owner of the company asked me to move in the United States uh, uh, to take over the responsibility of FIAM North America. 
it's been a, a fantastic journey. Uh, then there has been uh, an interesting opportunity offered by, at the time, the Fiat Chrysler Automobile Group, now is uh, Stellantis, uh, for uh, an interesting project of industrial reconversion of all uh, generations powertrain carburetors mm -hmm. into advanced fuel delivery systems, uh, which was very exciting because it's an industrial conversion with new product launches, and uh, uh, which I accepted after um, almost, uh, let me say, 10 years of working uh, with FIAM. And, uh, uh, and there's been a, a tremendous uh, opportunity where you grow a lot professionally, personally, and uh, with people around you that are really, uh, say, great mentors. Uh, in uh, July of 19, as you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, uh, the FAC group that has been growing a lot over the past uh, 10 years with several acquisitions, mainly also in North America, uh, asked me if I was interested in a new opportunity of uh, uh, working to merge all these new acquisitions made in North America. We are talking about probably, uh, I would say, seven acquisitions done in approximately wow. in North America. Of in large companies or quite substantial uh, acquisition or small companies? Uh, I would say ranging from uh, $40, 50000000 million up to $150 million. So okay. uh, medium size, but then... Uh, the, 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 the final mass and the final volume is, uh, is I would say, interesting. Uh, that was another interesting opportunity that uh, could have allowed me to keep on growing professionally. And uh, here we are. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, tell us a bit more about Fat Group. So, because not many people might probably know. So I think you're doing some amazing product that probably is not everyone is aware of. As an Italian, yeah. I'm aware of, no, no, of course, exactly. but not many. So the FAC group that today, uh, a couple of years ago, we changed the name uh, to stress uh, the, the, the fact that uh, the, the group is more and more focused on technologies and mm. uh, on uh, advanced systems is a group that was born in Bologna in 1965. So he's basically a 60 years old, almost a 60 yeah. years old group. And he's one of the international players today at the global level in access automation, uh, in parking and access control for both vehicle and pedestrian, um, both for the industrial and residential sector. Uh, we are present in five continents, with uh, approximately 55 companies and uh, with uh, a total number of employees of almost uh, 4,000 uh, 4, 4, people. So right. uh, let me say that uh, the group is uh, a very solid group uh, with a very high focus on innovation, on automation, uh, and uh, the division of the group is definitely to become more and more a global leader in high performance uh, solutions for access and mobility needs. So, and uh, talking about future, because one question I asked to all the CEOs that come in on the show is what is actually this bold future? I mean, not every CEO, to be fair, 
is either designing or shape or creating an aspirational future for people. Fair enough. But I'm curious whether as a part of the future that you have been shaping, not just you, of course, but also, you know, the, the company as a whole and the shareholders, et cetera, they are creating. So what is the bold aspirational future that you are working on you know you said a high performance automation company mm -hmm. what does it mean so tell us a little bit more about that uh, let, yes let me let me give you an example so today the 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 group is structured on two main business lines one is the access solution one is the department business unit which i'm responsible for in north america uh, let's look at the parking business unit until a few years ago the to design and develop and uh, deploy parking systems was mainly something uh, linked to the industrial sector. So we were part of the industrial sector. A lot of hardware and uh, basic functionalities. Right. The world has changed. I mean, uh, we did the, what we call the digital transformation. Today, uh, yesterday, we were a part of an industrial company. Today, we woke up as an IT and software house. What I'm saying is that uh, um, the parking systems are more and more getting integrated with the smart infrastructure and the smart cities, as well as adapting to the needs of the end users that uh, uh, would like to have a, a really a flawless approach with the parking. Uh, just to give you an idea, Andrea, uh, the, in America, people spend approximately, each person in America spend an average of 20 hours a year to find a parking spot. When I say an average means that in New York City, they spend approximately 100 hours a year to find a parking spot. Imagine this, what does it mean in terms of uh, traffic congestion, emission, costs, lost uh, lost hours, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the solution that uh, the new parking in North America of the FAC Technology Group uh, has uh, offered to the market today is, uh, first of all, uh, uh, allow the end users to have uh, uh, their mobile app where with our system they can uh, first of all identify where the spots to park are free to book them to enter in a touchless manner without uh, touching the ticket without opening the gate without entering by rec being recognized either bluetooth by a phone or through an uh, what is called LPR camera, yeah, and then exiting, finding the spot, book the spot, uh, and then pay upon exit, always with app. So uh, all these uh, objects and components of this process that I described are all developed internally within our new parking system. Nice. Uh, until we reach a point, for example, for important customers like, I don't know, Legoland, California, you know, the, 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 the famous uh, uh, amazing park, but uh, the, the amusement park is, uh, of course, something that uh, you want the, the traffic flow as, as fast as you can because kids are really not happy to wait to go <laughs> on, the, on the games, on the rides, yes. as well as to exit. Yes. And uh, we put in place systems that are completely gateless. So they don't have gates. You don't, even, you don't need even to stop. You basically pass the cameras 
take a picture of your plate, calculate automatically the time of staying that you've been, and then you pay with your mobile app at the exit. Wow. So, That's really uh, seamless, seamless, essentially, applications to, you know, stress-free at all. For, we are for, talking about touchless, touchless, because you yeah. don't need to stop and you don't need yeah. to touch anything. Cashless, because people today, even at Starbucks, everywhere they go, and you know this because also in Italy is happening, you pay with your phone yeah. as much as you can, okay? And this is what's happening also in parking. They want to pay also for parking with their phone. Uh, another important aspect, uh, and this is the turnkey solution that I was uh, referring before. Another important aspect is, for example, related to the new, uh, to the EV, the electric vehicles mm-hmm. development. Yeah. Today we are talking about approximately 6 million, 6.5 million cars, uh, electric cars deployed uh, uh, on the, in the streets in, in North America. But by 2030, the prediction is that these cars are, uh, the number of these cars, of electric vehicles, will be almost 30 million. Right. So we are talking about five times more than now. When uh, we talk about innovation and anticipating also the needs, uh, is that our systems are also integrated with electric charging stations. So if you have any kind of electric cars, you can book a spot where there is an electric charging station available and you go there and on the same app that we have, you will pay from the same app the kilowatts used to charge the car and the stay for the parking. Oh, wow. Wow, that's brilliant. Yeah. It is, uh, let me say, really what we call, so we are, and this is what I was saying. This is a pioneering, right? It's a pioneering to some it extent, looks like uh, a little bit of the, the story of Pittsburgh I told you before, the steel city that became then uh, the advanced yes. engineering city. Uh, the, the parking was something purely hardware and uh, um, manual, mechanic, etc. Today is all software-based data analytics. And when I talk about smart cities, uh, the and uh, not only smart cities, because today, just for your information, Andrea, we serve uh, approximately 110 airports in North America with our wow. system, from the largest to the smallest. A lot of hospitals, municipalities, uh, universities, uh, the largest university in North America. The interesting aspect is that uh, uh, we are able to offer to our customers that are the landlord and parking owners, uh, the possibility to adapt also the pricing or their of their parking based on the traffic flow that they have. So basically, there is an algorithm in our systems that through the smart cities camera allows the parking systems to recognize when there is a higher or lower traffic flow so that you can automatically adapt and change the pricing of your parking spot based on the occupancy that you have. So if I know that there is an high demand, I basically increase the price. And this is a dynamic pricing uh, feature yes. that is part of our uh, of our Which solution. is great because it's a very American thing. If you, if you, I mean, I'm sure that the application now is across the globe, but I'm thinking about 
all the stadium, you know, the stadium, the dynamic yes. ticketing, the stadium in the US is something that was there in even years, many years ago, that is not yet in place, for example, in other countries outside of US. But this idea and that- what, uh, what would surprise you is that even the city of Naples asked us for a solution. Like that. Ah, there you go. Yeah, it makes actually a lot of sense. I think it's it's a way forward, right? It's definitely a way forward yeah. meeting demand and, and, and supply. Well, that's great. So. Um, it's fascinating, by the way. So that's really, and I love the fact that what you, so, you know, back to my question about the aspirational future, it is an aspirational future because it's really going towards, you know, a smarter city is simplify things, seamlessly approach and reducing paper, reducing money, cash. So there's a lot of positive impact, which is absolutely great. Now, if I think about the challenges that you have right now, so, and of course we had a little bit of brief, you know, and chat before we, we, we got online today, but, you know, but you said a little bit earlier, you know, one of the major challenge maybe for you, and let, let's, let's deep dive a little bit more. It's about how driving, you know, a one single culture or different culture at the same time, especially when you go through massive acquisition processes. It sounds like the company has really been growing through acquisitions. You said before, seven different realities. So is that your main challenge? One of the main challenges as a CEO is how to align different realities, entities, and working seemingly together primarily from a, more from a people standpoint, right? So is that cultural element one of the major things that keep you awake or to keep you, you know, more engaged than other things? Yeah, I would say, Andrea, that uh, integrations of companies uh, are always a difficult thing, I mean, yeah. uh, by definition, okay? Then when an integration is uh, combining Italians, Americans, Bulgarians, Israeli, all together. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice a, mix. It, it's, it's enriched by so strong cultures that, of course, all together is, uh, uh, it, it, it may look like a big challenge. The, the important aspect to highlight here is that um, it, it's been demonstrated uh, in the uh, in best uh, classes that you can take at MIT, at Stanford, Harvard, etc., that diversity is uh, a key aspect for the uh, acceleration of the performances of a company. Mm. So uh, what for us at the beginning could have looked like a challenge, because of course, every culture is different. You need to be extremely careful about uh, how you approach a certain culture from another one, etc. But if you keep in mind that uh, you don't need to overwrite uh, their native culture by basically leveling all of them under one unique, uh, uh, I would say, company culture, because the advantage that you bring in your company is exactly that. The ideas uh, and the initiatives and the proposals that are coming from people that uh, are from different culture are basically your value addition. So diversity is a richness, is a richness in problem solving, is a richness in uh, accelerating the, the solution of a problem. So 
the key point is not to level them under one unique culture, but the key point is to make sure that you find the sweet spot to make them working together, preserving their native culture. And this is what we have been able to do in North America. As a matter of fact, I have weekly, daily meetings with the teams. I have Germans also here. I have Israeli people. I have American people, Bulgarian people in meetings all day long. And the meetings are very productive, very profitable. Everybody expressed their ideas with maximum transparency without any problem to be judged. And the fact that you can, uh, uh, the most powerful tool since the Professor Deming uh, time to solve the problem is the brainstorming among the qualified uh, individuals part of a team. And when those qualified individuals are also diverse, you have an acceleration to the identification of the solution that is amazing. So long story short, to say that what at the beginning was looking like a big challenge, at the end, it came out to be it turned very, into an opportunity. But not only opportunity, but we also see these uh, the results of this opportunity discharged on the results of the company. So what has been the, the secret sauce? I mean, we we all now live and work in a very international, multinational mm -hmm. environment where any organization has a number of people coming from different countries, different cultures. And one of the things I noticed in my, I mean, I have a very international career like you. So for me, it's something very familiar, but still, you know, people coming from different realities, there is always a risk of people trying to recreate their own culture and where they live, where they, where they, where they work with. So it's like creating sub community within the same community that is a company. So, so in other words, is potentially the risk is creating silos. So islands were the Germans, you know, the Italians, the Americans. Mm -hmm. So is there any sort of, I know it's a difficult question, but secret sauce, how you have been able to put everyone together on the same table and sharing transparently, be constructive, be open, bring ideas. So you said very transparent, transparent uh, environment. Is it, is it essentially the culture that you create a company culture in this in mm -hmm. a specific context that has enabled everyone to be himself herself sharing so what has been the key the element that facilitated that sort of result yeah uh, it's a great uh, great question andrea because uh, first of all uh, regardless of your origins okay regardless of your origins uh, you have among all of them a common goal. They all want the same thing. Mm. They want their company grow, be successful, and be the leader. So you need to, in this kind of situation, you need to work and think by common denominators. So having said that, you have uh, some Germans, some Bulgarians, some Italians, some Israeli, and some uh, Americans. Fine. What are the common denominators? The common denominators, first of all, is that they are all human beings. So, and human beings means uh, that they have desires, they have ambitions, they have uh, uh, feelings. So, the most important point uh, that was also part of uh, an interesting analysis made by uh, some uh, psychologists in the past. Uh, 
uh, it's to open up always more the get to know each other. Mm. Because regardless the of the fact that, but to open up, to tell about yourself, to open up yourself to the other and say, and tell about something about you that they don't know. And yes. they tell you something about them that they don't know. So to really open up and also talk something about not business related. So when you start, uh, we call breaking the eyes, no? When you start uh, knowing that, uh, I don't know, I'm saying uh, just as an example, you have a dog uh, that is, I don't know, a Labrador and uh, his name is XYZ and uh, unfortunately, yes, he was limping a little bit, etc. You are starting opening up. Mm-hmm. But then the day after, the guy will ask you, because he's a human being, regardless of the origins, will ask you, how is XYZ doing? How is his leg? And then yes. you start. Okay. When you start building that uh, square of uh, how much you know of them and how much they know of you, and you work to enlarge that quadrant of knowledge, of course, you need, at, at one point, there is some limit to privacy, but uh, <laughs> That, uh, yes. As as much as you work uh, in an environment where uh, you also share important things that uh, will allow them to let you know better, and I'm talking also about myself, and among them, uh, it's something that really helps a lot in accelerating these uh, these uh, team building factor. Of course, then there are the usual uh, activities of team building, dinner together, etc. But this point is extremely important. The second is that uh, once you clearly uh, demonstrate to them that the common denominator for all of them is uh, to be in a company that will continue to be a market leader and wants to grow by taking care of their employees. Uh, and first of all, to me, is... Uh, to take care, motivate, and retain our employees. Second priority is to take care of our customers. If you take care of your employees, they will surely take care of your customers. Mm-hmm. And then, as a result, you will continue to grow and, uh, and, uh, and become uh, continue to be a leader. Today, we are the largest smart parking uh, producer in North America. But it's not something that we need to... to I mean, uh, say and uh, and we think that we have reached our our final goal. Uh, it's something that uh, it's an honor, but it's also a burden because you always need to keep up with uh, motivation of your people, retention of your people, uh, continuing to innovate, uh, and and when you have a team that starts thinking in that way together regardless of the different cultures that they come originally from, is definitely you have everything in your... Uh, yeah, and look, I think it's great. So um, so you, you, you touch on many things. But what I... My takeaway, well, what you said is, first of all, having a common objective and future and vision. So we are going to the same direction, I think, is key. And the second is getting really related with each other is knowing yourself and between the teams as a personal level is an incredible enabler for facilitating relationships, creating trust, building trust so people that can, you know, feel they are part of the same thing. So I think that has been incredible leverage for that success. Now, what leadership you put in place in order to do that? So, you know, it's in other words, how did you enable that to happen? So besides the conversation that you have in terms of people 
have time to speak personally, to share their personal things, to get connected. But, you know, in how would you define your own leadership as a CEO that has really supported and helped the team develop in that way, the culture to become as strong as it is right now and to be, you know, the largest performer in your space? So what is your leadership kind of a, you know, traits or style yeah. or approach that has really helped on that? Yeah. First of all, I'm, uh, allow me to say that uh, uh, there is a lot of talk about leadership. I believe that uh, leaders is not something that uh, you, it's not like a, a master degree that after five years you get and then no. you are a leader Definitely forever. Not. Yeah, leadership, Andrea, is uh, a big word. It's a big word because uh, uh, to be a leader today, I believe uh, uh, it requires a continuous learning. Mm -hmm. It's not like when you go to the university and uh, you spend five years at the university, you get your master's degree, and then you are a leader forever. Yes, uh, Leaders are, uh, uh, I believe, real leaders are the ones that in a very humble way continue to learn and improve daily their leadership style. It's a, a continuous learning. You will never be done as a leader. Uh, as a result of that, uh, in the past years, uh, what really uh, helped a lot uh, in uh, leading organizations is uh, uh, to adopt the model that is known as a servant leader. Mm. Uh, servant leader is a, is a very interesting word because uh, it means that uh, your team needs to perceive you as the go-to person when they have whatever problem they feel they cannot solve. And uh, right. they know that you are not scared about jumping down in the dirt and working with them in the dirt and uh, side by side to solve the problem with them. Because if you think that uh, the leader is someone that is very clear in the vision, mission, assign targets and expect results uh, to just give a reward, this is, I believe, an obsolete vision of the leader. The leader is, and the servant leader is someone that not only provides a vision, provides the mission, uh, uh, communicate where we are and communicate constantly how things are going and how each of your uh, key people is doing, but also they know that they can call him or her 24-7. In these positions, you are responsible You are responsible also when you sleep. Mm. Just uh, last night, I had a call from Boston from one of my <laughs> team members at 11 p.m. But uh, the guy did not even say sorry for disturbing you. The guy said, hey, I need some help. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> they they know that they can call me at 11 p.m. Of course, he does not call every night at 11 p.m., but uh, it was a situation that required, and they know that they can call you without being concerned of disturbing you. And we solved together a problem. So a leader is, uh, to me, someone that is uh, as a, a coaching approach, supportive approach, help approach, but at the same time is very clear in defining the direction of the company, the vision of the company, the mission of the company, but is helpful. If you are not perceived as the go-to person when you are in, when you have some problems, then you lose that, that level of um, reference that you should have in the organization. Yeah. So Luca, that's brilliant because uh, you know, you, you explained before, 
how you created an environment where people can feel safe to speak up, to 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 share their personal stories, personal uh, aspirations. Uh, so it's, it's essentially you are demonstrating a lot of empathy, and the fact that you say servant leadership, essentially being in service of your people, is such a wonderful thing for a leader. And and look. By the way, you're right. I mean, we speak a lot about leadership. There are so many people, they use leadership as a lip service. Like, you know, oh, we all know how to be a leader. But the reality being, me, even myself, working with so many organizations is we're still going, we're still back on the basics of good leadership. So I still see a lot of leaders, the commanding, controlling, directing, you know, empowering people, micromanaging, hiding things. So... The reason why we're still talking about leadership because there is still a reason to talk about leadership. So, uh, and I'm brilliant. It's brilliant the approach that you're having and see them is making results. So, look and just shifting gear for the final questions. I'm yeah. curious, what does it mean to be a CEO these days? Because look, there are a lot of I share a lot of things on LinkedIn where I say many. What I see as a trend is many people, many CEOs. They're starting to back off. They're starting to feel like being a CEO these days is stressful. It doesn't guarantee longevity. He has an impact and on our mental health and personal health. It's stressful. It's demanding. It's difficult in an ever-changing environment. So based on your last five, four years as a CEO, what does it mean for you to be a CEO? Besides the leadership, but what does it mean mm -hmm. personally, professionally? So tell us a bit more about that. But, uh, let me say this, Andrea. The, the first time that I was appointed as a CEO for uh, a business was in 2007. So mm -hmm. I've been a CEO of uh, many years now. Uh, three organizations uh, over the past, uh, I would say, what, 15 years, 16 years. Okay. Honestly, I'm not a big fan of the titles. Um, uh, when when people in their business cards start, uh, there are even people that ask me if I if I give you a let me say my request for the next promotion, may I have the title of vice president or senior vice president? <laughs> so I'm not a big fan of titles. Right. To me, what uh, what is important is the substance. Uh, when they ask me what's my job, I, I I never say I'm the CEO of the North America. I always say I'm responsible for the business of this country, of this company in this country. Uh, to me, CEO is uh, equivalent to responsible, but fully responsible. Mm -hmm. Responsible also when you sleep. Responsible for what? For what the company has put in your hands. Uh, CEO for me means to accept a challenge that uh, the company gave to you that at the same time is a, a big opportunity because you gain a lot of satisfaction mm -hmm. when uh, if you believe in what you do. When uh, your job, when you are uh, able or uh, lucky enough to have your job coinciding with your hobby, you are successful. Of course. If uh, you have your job just because of the title, of this money, of the salary, of the things, but uh, you feel caged or not comfortable, then everything looks like a big burden on your shoulders. So the company gives you an opportunity. The company gives you an opportunity and uh, 
a challenge to be responsible for a part of their business with aim to grow it and to thrive. And to me, this is really an honor. So yes. uh, to be a, a responsible, and today they call uh, chief executive officer, fine, but again, the titles for me are just uh, things that you put on the paper, but in reality, mm. I feel just responsible for the growth in a sustainable manner, sustainable for the environment, for the people, for the community, etc., of your company. And this is something that when you spend 70% of your time in these uh, offices, traveling for work, etc., if you don't feel like you are satisfied from what you do, then you back up. Then you yes. back up. Yes. So uh, to me, this is the equivalence. No? And does uh, uncertainty, ambiguity bother you as a CEO? And uh, no, I'm still calling you as a CEO, although you know, despite what you said, but just for <laughs> for clarity. Yeah. So, because many, many leaders at the moment now they are uh, struggling with ambiguity, uncertainty, not having answers and, you know, to all the major market shift and changes. Is it something that bothers you, inspiring you, motivating you, concerning you? Uh, let me say that uh, it's part of the game. It's part of the game. You live in a chaotic environment, mostly after the pandemic. Yes, because you live in a chaotic environment where you need to to deal with retention of people. In America, there is, a, and as you know, a very high rotation of people. You need to keep a very close eye on your top talents. Uh, you need to also uh, cope with the labor shortage because uh, we are two three percent unemployment. Two three percent unemployment, and that means zero percent. Yes. Okay, yes. so uh, you need to consider the effect of the inflation trends. This inflation last year was tremendous. This year seems has calmed down a little bit, but you never know if there is another spike. So uh, your business is constantly exposed to these uh, unpredictable challenges. And uh, you need to be, of course, ready. But what makes you feel really, I would say, uh, at least for me, okay, under pressure, I perform better. There are some other people that under pressure, they feel like overwhelmed. Yes. Under pressure, I am a, a person that under pressure performs even better. Uh, of course, uh, you can have some peaks of yeah, pressure. Yeah. It cannot be constant because otherwise it's a, it's a burnout, uh, the way to the burnout. But definitely all these aspects that I just mentioned is something that uh, will uh, continuously and will always challenge you. But it, it, when you agree to take a responsibility for something, you need to 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 take into this into account. I mean, it's, it's part of your uh, part of your job. There is a wonderful quote from a famous basketball coach in the U.S. that he said, "Pressure is a privilege." So, and most of the time we have this notion that pressure is a burden. Pressure is something that we don't want. But being in a position of shaping the future of the society, as you, as you do, as many others in your role, is a privilege because, and pressure comes with a privilege, is privilege of being in a position where you can do it because not everyone can do it. So that's always, I think, something important to 
remind for ourselves. He's looking at the half, you know, at the glass half empty because it's good, you know, the, the, the possibility of being able to shape that. Brilliant. So just to last very quick question for a very quick answer, because then I'll let you go. So of course, you're a busy looker. Is, first of all, what is the, the biggest lessons you know, in your career? If you look, you know, the span of your 23, 25 years of career, what has been the number one lessons that shaped you until today? But probably the biggest lesson learned is uh, the one that uh, um, that we received from uh, this pandemic. Uh, the, the COVID has basically almost killed our business. Mm-hmm. Uh, our business, as you can imagine, Andrea, is strictly connected to mobility. Yeah, people traveling, people moving. <laughs> we, are, we serve airports, we serve municipalities, we serve of shopping course. malls, universities. When you are in a situation of shelter in place or lockdown, the mobility is frozen. So our industry was really put on, on their knees. Yes. And the lesson learned there has been the adaptability to a completely new environment, a completely new adaptability and resilience. Resilience in the, the, there is a lot of talking about this resilience lately, but uh, in the real mechanical term. So to be able to return to your original shape after you get a big hit. This is the real definition of resilience. After you get a big hit, a punch in the face from a pandemic that blocked everything, you are able to get back on your feet and get stronger than before. How? By rethinking about your business module. And your business module was rethought based on, okay, fine. We have parking systems and parking lots that are not anymore full like like they were before. We are not selling any more new system because people are not traveling. Fine, what do we do? Because people don't want to buy. We started rethinking about how to go to market. Rather than selling the full equipment, we started the model of uh, uh, parking as a service, mm. not as a capex, but as a, 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 almost a leasing. Yeah. Uh, we started focusing on the service of our system. We have approximately 6,000 sites here. The service is a big component. So we took that period to focus on servicing the sites that were ready then to go back and that during the, the busy period, they were never able to go through an extraordinary maintenance. And so to really rethink about how you can adapt to a new reality and how with that adaptation to come back stronger than you were before. Yeah, and, and that's brilliant because we had on the show, by the way, Alan Bejani a few weeks ago. Alan is, has been a CEO of the biggest uh, mall in all Middle East and Dubai area. And they've been incredibly affected by the pandemic, as you as you probably understand, malling, shopping malls, et cetera, cinema, nothing was happening and they completely changed the business model to thrive again. So you're right. I think it's a big lesson to, I think has somehow has triggered our ability to be creative, to find alternatives to something that was like, you know, same, same old, same old, we know what to do, et cetera. So, okay, and great. The, and the, and the just uh, to go back to what we were saying before, the diversity we were talking before uh-huh. was a very important element in uh, thinking all together about how we could react. Yes. 
So that yes. diversity of team members, each of them were suggesting the new ideas, new brainstorming, etc. was a big accelerator in finding it. And I, I want to say something that is really in the spirit of the FAC technology group, but also of our companies. During that time, many companies of our sector, but also of not of our sector, laid off thousands of employees. I imagine, yeah. We were and are really proud of not having laid off not even one person during COVID. So this is a really... And I know that whether there was... Uh, I know as an Italian, although I live in London, but as an Italian, I know that, for example, for us, the Italian market, we really care about that. For example, not necessarily in all countries, we have seen that mm-hmm. during COVID. So it could be cultural, but it could be also a fantastic strategic decision that was made by by the company. So, Brian, um, Luca, if there is anything that you would have done differently on the other hand in your career, anything that you feel kind of regret or you you would have done in a different way or you think you are satisfied with whatever happened to you? Of course, when I mean, not major changes, uh, probably uh, when you are young uh, or when you, when I was younger, of course, uh, sometimes uh, you you have some uh, uh, reaction to certain situations that uh, that when uh, the time goes by, you start uh, thinking and weighing the things uh, in a different way. So something that maybe uh, five six years ago was a big drama, <laughs> now it's <laughs> okay, fine, guys. Let's, yes, yes. Let's keep yes. calm and we will solve yeah. it. Don't worry. Yes. So this is definitely, but not major, uh, not major. Okay. Regrets, so, uh, Excellent, Luca. Where people should go if they want to know more about you and your company? But definitely, there is the FAC Technologies. Uh, we'll put on the website, show notes. Website and. Uh, and then within the FAC Group Technology website, there is the Parking Business Unit uh, link, so they can know more about what we do and our technologies. Uh, and is right. definitely, we are proud to to be able to represent also Italy in uh, in this uh, in this important uh, sector and uh, and and outside uh, Italy. No. Yes. This is, uh, Great. Well, we have a lot of people from the U.S., by the way, in North America, in the, in the audience of the podcast. So I'm sure there are people that will be probably interested to know more about the technology and what you're doing. So, Luca, thank you so much for being in the show today. I mean, it was really inspiring, really inspiring knowing more about you, your business, but also your approach and how you embrace diversity and cultural differences to create a high-performance organization. So thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much, Andrea. Thanks to you. 